President Biden finally signed his sweeping tax health and climate bill into law this afternoon after more than a year of very fraught negotiations. It wasn't quite what it had started out to be, but it is pretty significant. Uh, So perhaps the name, the Inflation Reduction Act, may make the eyes of most Canadians glaze over, but it shouldn't. And here's why. The new law includes $369 billion U.S. in investments in climate and energy policies, and Canada may stand to benefit from that big boost in spending. In particular, it establishes preferential tax treatment for electric vehicles assembled not just in the U.S., but anywhere in North America, so here too. It also provides money for the components that go into those EVs or go into the batteries that fuel those electric vehicles, along with other things that these critical minerals, as they're called, are used for. Uh, Now, right now, of course, a lot of those critical minerals used in batteries and elsewhere are mined, of course, in China. And that is an issue for the U.S. and for Canada. You can see why countries uh, would want to untie some of those binds. So Canada, with relative mineral wealth, could see an impetus and investment uh, in mining for those critical minerals in this country. There are some ifs. Will Canada's regulatory framework stand in the way? And is China's presence in mining those minerals in this country already a factor as well? Well, joining me with more on this is Mark Agnew. He's Senior Vice President of Policy at the Canadian Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for your time tonight. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Uh, I know many Canadians will look at news of this uh, Inflation Reduction Act and all that it contains and be somewhat daunted by what how it may impact us. But uh, there are some opportunities in here for Canadian uh, businesses in transportation, clean transportation rather, and others. Uh, how should we be viewing the opportunities that could lie within this very sizable uh, legislation? Yeah, so I think as always, when you look at the U.S. legislative process, it's a fair bit more convoluted, uh, you know, than ours. I mean, you know, yes, we do have, um, you know, two, uh, you know, chambers within our parliamentary system, but, um, you know, kind of with how we are with, you know, partly with uh, the House of Commons and, you know, relative solidarity within party caucuses, uh, bills can get through through a much more straightforward process, I think, on, on our side of the border. So I think your listeners can be forgiven for, uh, you know, finding it a bit dizzying to try to navigate through all of uh, what's been passed with this most recent bill in the, the U.S. Congress. Um, when you look at, though, you know, some of the landmark pieces uh, of this that really pertain to Canada, I, I think, you know, the electric vehicles piece, it's fair to say, um, you know, could have some fairly good implications uh, for Canada, given they're now looking at these tax credits on the basis of North American production content percents rather than just U.S. production content. So I think, you know, that's definitely a great development and very much aligns with what we have here on offer in Canada with our natural resources, assuming we can get the products uh, out of the ground. And of course, these critical mineral uh, products are just you know, they have a wide range of applications. It's not just about the automotive sector. And so I think this hopefully will help to open up the the opportunities for Canadian companies uh, in other, you know, applications as well. Of course, anytime you talk about the United States, though, and national security, um, there's always going to be that sort of tinge of protectionism. So certainly, you know, the win that we saw most recently is not something that we can take for granted. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, but I imagine one of the things that obviously the Americans are looking to do here is diversify away from a very heavy reliance on China when it comes to these critical minerals. And it makes sense of them, of course, for them to look north uh, and that we might be included as part of that uh, so-called security umbrella when it comes to these minerals. Is that the case? I think so. When you look at the list of natural um, resources, Canada, which is our, our federal department that oversees, you know, our sort of, you know, government policy towards, um, you know, oil and gas, the mining sector, forestry, etc. Um, they have published a list of just over 31 products uh, that we have here in, in Canada. And I alluded to earlier about the wide range of applications that these goods have. And when we typically talk about them as the Canadian Chamber, we'll say there's sort of three, you know, broad categories, you have consumer goods. So, 
you know, laptops, computers, um, you know, you know, automobiles, I suppose, could even go into that as well. There's also industrial applications, so clean technology, um, you know, solar panels, those types of things, and then also defense and security applications. And so when we talk about what Canada can, you know, do with our products, there's really an opportunity to step up to the plate and provide a reliable uh, and also ethical source of uh, these products and also a more stable source too that allies can come and look to instead of looking to more unreliable markets to, to source these products for, um, again, the range of consumer defense and industrial applications. How are we advancing so far on that front? Because I know for a long time, uh, especially when I was working in Beijing, for instance, you know, the idea of who was producing uh, these minerals, they can be quite environmentally dangerous. Who was producing these minerals was not really a big issue. There was certainly no, uh, you know, sometimes it was talked about geopolitically or, you know, security wise, but not in the way we talk about it these days. Uh, how far has Canada advanced over the past few years in recognizing uh, that there needs to be diversification and that we could be part of the solution? Certainly progress hasn't been as fast as, you know, the business community in the Canadian Chamber would like it to see. Um, you know, there's been talk about a critical mineral strategy for some time that the federal government would produce to really kind of focus the minds of, uh, you know, various government departments in Ottawa to make action happen to, you know, get simply more products out of the ground. Um, we did see a, a fairly noticeable step forward with the federal budget that was tabled in April of this year. Um, roughly, uh, I think it was around $3.8 billion were committed uh, in that budget to help, you know, kickstart the industry. And so certainly we've seen um, that at a very kind of macro level. And you've also seen um, some of the more downstream applications recently with the government providing support also to uh, the automotive sector in particular to have those, you know, electric vehicles, you know, you know future of automotive production happening here in Canada. Um, there's a lot of work left to do. And really, as much as the downstream stuff gets attention because people can relate to an electric vehicle, there's probably a lot more work that has to happen on the upstream side to make sure that we're actually getting these products out of the ground. And there's a, you know, whole host of measures that can be done to help achieve that goal. So for instance, ensuring that we don't have regulatory barriers that keep extractive projects from, you know, going into operation, ensuring that there's infrastructure so that these mines, which are in, you know, remote and, and rural locations in Canada can actually be accessed, uh, you know, by companies. Um, so those are just two examples of, of things that we're hoping the government can do to help accelerate this forward. Because certainly when you talk to our um, partners around the world, they want these products now. They don't want them. Well, I'm sure they'll need them in five to 10 years, but really there's, there's a short-term acute need uh, to get Canadian production um, happening at a much higher level. And I understand there are some tax credits within this new American legislation uh, that may also provide an incentive. Yeah. So when you look at um, the way that the American legislation is, um, is structured, and I should say, you know, full credit to, um, you know, Alex Panetta and, and the CBC, who had an excellent piece um, on this earlier today. Certainly, I think there is good reason to be optimistic that there will be sort of, you know, trickle down effects that we can see north of the border. We have such tightly integrated supply chains that um, any sort of, you know, manufacturing or, or processing demand for these products, I think will create opportunities for Canada to provide them to American businesses. So I think that's one tangible way that the legislation could again have kind of these positive trickle down effects uh, for the Canadian economy. I'm speaking with Mark Agnew. He's the Senior Vice President of Policy at the Canadian Chamber of Commerce. We're talking about uh, Joe Biden signing into law today, the Inflation Reduction Act. It is a huge piece of legislation with many, many components, but one of them uh, is to try and accelerate uh, the production of electric vehicles and also find supplies of, of the necessary components for those, um, critical minerals as they're called, uh, but also could provide some incentive for Canada to try to be that supplier, or at least try to make up uh, or help the Americans wean themselves off uh, 
heavily reliance on China when it comes uh, to these minerals. When we come back, uh, the Americans are not alone. The German Chancellor is here next week. I understand that Germany has also been looking to Canada perhaps for a more reliable supply of, of these products. They are obviously a huge automaker themselves. And also just a bit about China because you know Chinese companies have a lot of expertise when it comes to these critical minerals and that expertise and their search for other areas to produce has certainly, uh, Canada has certainly not gone unnoticed to those companies. We'll be back with that. Mark Agnew is with us this half hour. He's Senior Vice President of Policy at the Canadian Chamber of Commerce. We're talking about uh, the Inflation Reduction Act that Joe Biden signed into law today, the U.S. President. Lots in there, but one of the things that could impact Canada is a focus on uh, on clean energy, on clean transportation and the components that go into it. We've been talking about how Canada, uh, certainly upstream when it comes to producing some of these critical minerals that are needed for production of these things and other stuff, uh, can be done here, that there is an opportunity for Canada here. The German chancellor's in town next week, uh, Mark. And I know that they too have been looking to Canada, uh, perhaps as a supplier for these sorts of products as well. Yeah, so maybe if I just step back a little bit and think about this, um, you know, from from the European perspective, um, you know, we're in, I think, genuinely, um, you know, one of the most difficult periods from a security standpoint since the fall of the, the Berlin Wall, uh, you know, since the, the end of the Cold War. And when you look at where the pressure is coming from, um, you know, on countries to uh, to increase defense spending, sort of the NATO 2% target is something that is, uh, is really held up as, as a benchmark. And so for your listeners that aren't familiar to this, um, NATO countries have essentially committed to saying that 2% of their, um, you know, uh, you know, GDP or you know, 2% of their economy will be spent towards uh, defense, um, you know, defense, defense needs. And, you know, Canada, I think we've it's fair to say increased defense spending, but we're a fair bit of a ways behind where our NATO allies expect us to be. So where this links in, I think, to the critical minerals piece is that in a world where we don't really have a short-term pathway to meet our defense spending commitment requirements, I think critical minerals is a way for us to show to allies that you know we're serious about our contribution to the collective security of the Western alliance. And you know the German uh, chancellor visiting next week, as you pointed out, um, critical minerals is absolutely going to be a critical part uh, of that conversation. And I think that, it, you know, in the context of where, you know, Europe is trying to, you know, like us, make a green energy transition, um, they're trying to diversify a- away from these unstable markets. Um, you know, Canada certainly has a-, a lot to offer. And I think you're going to hear some of that from the German Chancellor next week. And, and just, on, just on a related matter, obviously, LNG is a big issue there, too, as they try to wean themselves not only off, uh, you know, Chinese critical minerals, uh, but also Russian energy. Yeah, and if you look at you know what what are the barriers that we face uh, here in Canada? I mean, in some ways, we're our own worst enemies. Um, you know, the the regulatory delays and the inability to you know get projects built and, and running um, is 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 not something that is you know, uh, outside of our control, it actually is very much within our control as Canadians. And so, um, you know, hopefully, you know, the German Chancellor is going to be able to underscore that point that can help, you know, recatalyze action here in Canada and underscore that, you know, we not only have the capability and and the ability to help our allies, but actually in many ways, we have a moral responsibility to do so too. Uh, back to sort of the security issue and the critical minerals. I mean, China has long time dominated this market, and it does uh, see it as crucial to their own national security. Uh, they've also been looking to Canada because obviously they have the mining expertise here to a certain extent. They also, for quite a while, had the money to put into these projects if needed. And mining industries, uh, mining companies in Canada were certainly looking for investment. Um, what is China's footprint in this business now in Canada, and how worrisome is it? 
Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, th there's been a growing, um, you know, a, a growing interest. And, in, you know, there was a piece in the Globe and Mail last week about, um, you know, the, the increased, uh, you know, footprint that we've seen over the years from, you know, Chinese companies uh, in the, the critical minerals, uh, Canadian critical minerals, you know, space. Um, when you look at, you know, where the security, you know, risks are, certainly having more foreign actors that intertwine, uh, you know, politics and economics, um, you know, it, it creates a mix that I think a lot of allies look to Canada and, you know, sort of are wondering about, you know, you know who controls the products and you know what are the risks involved uh, with it. We have legislation here in Canada called the Investment Canada Act that gives the government a fairly high degree of discretion uh, to block foreign acquisitions on national security grounds. And I think in the current geopolitical context, um, it, it's good for the government to have that flexibility in some ways to be able to take a take a step back and say, well, you know, is this acquisition by a, a foreign company, whether they're from China or from another country, something that could prove to be detrimental to our you know long term you know security interests and those of our allies um, as well. Have we been using it enough? Have we been cognizant enough about what's going on in our own backyard? Well, it's hard to assess accurately whether, you know, the question of have you been using it too much have been using it, not enough, um, because the government certainly has access to a whole host of, uh, you know, security and intelligence information that I don't have access to. So it's difficult to opine on that. But, you know, to kind of sidestep the question a little bit, um, I think it's fair to say that, you know, it has not been used, um, you know, very much. I mean, certainly transactions have, uh, you know, ha have been stopped and, you know, we'll never really know how many transactions um, have decided not to progress because maybe there was a signal that they wouldn't be approved. That's something that we don't necessarily have the, the firm data around. But I think certainly, um, you know, it's fair to say that in the current geopolitical environment, it's something that the government should be, you know, taking a very serious and, and thoughtful look at to how it can be used. And, and of course, there's a balancing act involved because we, as a small, you know, global economy, we need to attract foreign investment to get these products, uh, you know, uh, um, to get these sort of projects more correctly, uh, you know, going. So it's how do you balance the national security interests with also the investment certainty that companies need to see? Yeah, as I mentioned, you don't want to shut out all Chinese companies all the time for any reason, uh, because they do have expertise in this field and they do have uh, the money to invest as well. So we want to kickstart this uh, industry in Canada. It is a delicate balance. Um, are, are we close enough to walking it or are we still just figuring it out? I think we are still figuring out. Um, it, it is a rapidly shifting geopolitical environment, uh, and hopefully that the investments um, that the government proposed in the federal budget earlier this year uh, will be able to kickstart more of a local critical economies. Uh, you, you know, uh, sorry, a kickstart a local, you know, critical economy. Sorry, yeah. a local critical mineral economy here, uh, and getting more Canadians and Canadian companies involved uh, in the sector. Absolutely. Well, certainly, if they feel like there's uh, need and money to be made and support, uh, you'd imagine that investment might be a little easier to come by. Yeah, and I think that's precisely what these tax credits are, are meant to do: is they're meant to incentivize and, and de-risk also, um, you know, the, the the financial viability of these projects for companies because they often are times in these remote communities where there's a lot of upfront capital investment that's required, and so having the federal government come to the table with some cash, um, it helps the economics of these projects make more sense, and you know. You might argue in some cases, well, you know, should there be any government investment at all in them? And, and you know, the standpoint that, um, you know, we have as the Canadian Chamber is that because these projects serve such a critical national security function, um, the government should be bringing financial support to the table to get these products off the ground. Uh, sorry, to get these projects off the ground and, again, make sure that the economics behind them makes sense. Mark Agney, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.